Hello and uh, welcome to Hill City. Uh, welcome to Church Online. So glad that you're with us. I just want to say it, it was just so good to see everyone last week at the outdoor service. I want to give a shout out once again to Radiance Church, to Josiah for letting us be there. Just very, very grateful. But also it was so good to see people like just being together in one place and and just getting to talk to you guys, even though uh, we were masked up, it was good to see you. And uh, we're looking ahead for the next outdoor service. Uh, if you want to jot it down, it's going to be on September 19th at 6 p.m. So put that down, Se- September 19th at 6 p.m. Would love to see you. Uh, also, I'm going to just give you a few announcements that Cultivate class is going on. Hannah is teaching. I don't know if we're going to, uh, it, uh, how far they've been, but I, 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 I want to ask you if you want to take some next steps in your faith. I think it's so vital that we step in and learn and grow in community together. And this that is done online. Also, a women's book study is being done. And I think that's going to be very important. So if you have not signed up for any of these uh, and, uh, and maybe they don't fit your schedule, we are still doing watch parties. People are eating breakfast together, watching the sermon, talking about it, or watching the sermon and having lunch together and then spending their day together. So good things are happening. I want you to get involved with that. If you need help getting connected to a watch party, let us know as well. You can please comment below or email us at info at myhillcity.org. I just believe it's so important, whatever you're doing, that we continue to share and care for one another. We schedule that in. We don't say that's just going to happen. It does Nothing normally just happens. It happens as after we schedule it and make it a discipline in our lives. You can go on a walk, a hike, a bike, go camping. You can do a rap battle if you like, whatever you're we're wanting to do. But get together with people, take care of people. And it's part of your growth and a part of, uh, of being part of the family of God, which is the church. Um, in, in the words of Hebrews 10, it says, let's invent Ways we can encourage and love and help out one another, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Today, we're continuing through through the Hill City Values. Values that we believe that we need to study and, 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 and really think about as we are looking through how the lens of the early church through the book of Acts. And I love that it's called Acts. It's not called thoughts, right? It's not the thoughts of the apostles. It's not the thoughts of Jesus. It's the acts of the apostles. It's the actions, the deeds of the apostles. And, and these are uh, values that we find from there that guide us through life and hardship and community and and situations, values that continue to build and shape us into people who live for Jesus and and, and, and that we live like as if Jesus would live our life, bringing in the kingdom of heaven. That's what it is. The kingdom of heaven is bringing the way of Jesus down into your neighborhood, into your family, into your job. So we started from value one. We worship Jesus passionately. Value two, we proclaim the good news of Jesus unapologetically. Number three, 
We serve humbly for the good of others. Number four, we gather to encourage and grow one another in Christ-likeness. And, and number five, this is today, we confess that we are radically in need of the grace of God every moment of every day. Say that with me. We confess that we are radically in need of the grace of God every moment of every day. This is the acknowledgement that we are still in process, that God is still doing work in us, and there are sins and desires and hurts and confusion we're still working through and we're still rooting out. And as we confess and invite God into it, that's what we're doing in confession. We're inviting God into it so we can dive deeper and He can dive deeper into us us, and, and we can trust Him uh, with His lavish grace that He would be continually transforming and working in us. See, 1 John 1, 9 says, we, If we confess our sins, if we face ourselves our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, we need God's grace today and tomorrow and the next day and God saves us, which is salvation. Then God continues to work on us. That's sanctification. That's sanctification. We never get over salvation. We never get over Jesus. We never get over the joy, the cost, and, and, and the wonder of what Jesus has done. And, and we continue as disciples, as students of Jesus on this journey together say together. That's right. That's how he made it. Jesus came for us to be united together as his church. So today we're talking about confession. Say confession. Confession, right? I mean, confession seems real old school for some people. If you grew up Catholic or watch some Catholic shows, uh, you know, on TV, like you see how the priests act and you see the confessional, maybe you felt that, that confession was something forced, right? You went to the confessional, told the Father all your sins, at least some of the, oh, the, oh, the sins you wanted to share, right? And so you don't go to hell. I don't know what your thoughts were, but it was like ceremonial, it was ritualistic. If you grow up Protestant, though, confession was something you did at youth camp after you burned all your CDs that you brought that was from the devil, right? You know that if some of you guys out there went to youth camp in that way, right? It was a guilt-driven confession because you were listening to Guns N' Roses or Paula Abdul or Bobby Brown, whatever you were doing, you were confessing it just in case you get hit by a bus that night. For some reason, they would say that you want to confess everything, this good Protestant guilt confession. So confession for Protestants was very few and far between. It was in these moments, these moments like you've camp. But today, I want us to change the way we confess, change the way we think about confession. Instead of seeing it as a obligatory or, or a guilting, I want us to see confession as a gift. Tell, your, tell someone in the room, and if you're alone, you might have to tell yourself, confession is a gift. That's right. That's right, John. Confession is a gift. Thank you, John. Right? I don't know. I'm the only one in this room. Well, Mike is in this room too. But I want, I want, you, to, I want you to go to Acts chapter 26, and I'm reading some things from Paul as he is testifying be, before King Agrippa in Acts 26. Here, Paul has been in prison for one year and he finally got audience with the Judean king, Agrippa, and after wrongly being imprisoned, right? Because he was a Roman citizen, he had rights. 
And this is what he said. This is what he said. Uh, and I'm going to read some, so just stay with me. He says from verse 9, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This is Paul's prior life, right? And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison and when they and they were put to death. I casted, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have these Jesus followers punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions, and we all fell to the ground. I heard this voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the gourd. And that was like a saying back then. It's like, don't kick against the bat or the fence, right? The gourd was like this this stick that you would guide uh, uh, you would guide the oxen or you would guide the cows or the sheep, right? Then I asked, who are you, Lord? And he answered, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. See, it's not just the church you're persecuting. It's Jesus you're persecuting. This was what he, it was his doing, the Lord replied. And now get up and stand to your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness into light, from power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by me in faith. I love this because this is Paul's testimony of what was going on in his life. He was speaking the good news to King Agrippa, but he was also confessing his sin, confessing the old, the old life, confessing come against, coming against Christ, confessing come against this new church. His anger was his obsession. He wanted to just get them, right? He says, I was obsessed at it. That he would even hunt and kill people in foreign cities. See, that was Paul's heart. He had to let people know. He let it out. That seems like a pretty deep wound or a deep dark thing that you wouldn't tell anybody. But here we go. That's what Paul was doing. In 1 Timothy 1, 15, 17, Paul says here, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. But for that very reason, that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst sinner, Christ Jesus, might display his immense patience as an example for those who believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, to the eternal king, immortal, invisible, the only God, to be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I love that Paul doesn't downplay his mess isn't that isn't that just like refreshing that we this this apostle paul that we look up to that we look at and we're like man he he had it together he doesn't downplay his mess rather he uses it to exemplify to upplay to push god's grace for us think about that even saying, I think Jesus saved me to show all the world that if he can save me, he can save anybody, 
right? No one is too far. No one is too messed up. No one is too broken for Jesus' transformational power in their life. Paul's confession and his continual confession kept him humble, yet faith-filled, and in reliance on the transformation of Jesus' power in his life continually, even though he was in prison, and in many lives going forward. So let me uh, share with you what confession is. And I'm going to give you a lot of verses. So you might want to jot this down, right? Confession, uh, number one, confession is strength. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 10 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So that the catalyst of God's transformative power is humility and our acceptance of our weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness. Say content with weakness. I know our culture doesn't like to say stuff like that. I am content with weakness insults, hardships, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you have your Bibles open, underline that. If you have your Bible apps, highlight that. Highlight that in like bright pink so every time you go through it, you will see it. Say that, for when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because I allow God to move in me. I allow Jesus to work in me because I understand a truer picture of who I am. Christians, Hill City, listeners, embrace your weakness. I don't know if you've ever followed Jesus, but Jesus tells us, embrace your weakness so that we can hold on to God's strength. See, because when we're weak, Jesus is made strong and we can find contentment. In our culture, we normally hide behind our gifts or our personalities, our sense of humor or our wisdom, the things we know, our association. So people won't know how frail we really are and how frail we really feel. As long as I look religious, as long as I look smart, as I look spiritual, strong, put together, right? But those who embrace their weakness, Paul is saying, is strong. They are so much farther ahead, not hiding behind this mask of being someone else, right? And listen, some of us, we've been dealing with the same issue for years now. The same relationship issues, anger issues, unforgiveness issues. We feel stuck, even set in our addictions, faking it to make it. But how long will you be there? How long do we want to sit there? How long are you going to try to hold it all back when there's this flood of emotion, there's this flood of emptiness that you feel? And Paul's saying, when I'm weak, then I'm really strong. Because I can rely fully on Christ, not holding anything back. It, it, sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes when I'm doing laundry, I get lazy. Or if I can't find the basket, I try to grab everything and hold it all together so I can bring it out and fold it, right? I wonder if we do that with our lives, you know? Trying to hold everything together and pieces of our lives start falling here and there. Instead of just trusting God. Maybe he's the basket. Maybe just putting it all on him 
and saying, I am trusting that you could hold me together. I am trusting that you could weed out the things in my life, God. When God's grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And God is saying, when you understand that, then you are strong. We need to get this. Today, if you're here wondering, where is God in all of this confusion? Where is God when I have to teach my kids now? Where is God? I don't know what to do next. Just stop for a moment and ask Him. Pray to Him. Confess to Him. This is why I'm weak right now, God. And fall into His arms of grace and say, I am right now, I'm completely taking a step forward to trust in you. I'm taking a step forward to believe in you, to work with you, that you would work it out. Because sometimes I try to do it myself, right? I find myself with this false sense of strength and it prevents me trusting in God's strength, relying on my own wit, relying on my own togetherness, my gifting, while telling myself I got this rather than taking it to Jesus. And he invites us Jesus invites us. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest, real rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Some of us listening right now, you need soul rest. You know it. That that weight on you, that emptiness, that pressure that you've been trying to fill you can't do it you have to come to jesus and i will give you soul rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light that's matthew 11 28 to 30 the truth is every day we need god we are so finite so mortal and the faster we get to understanding that the faster we get to going to Jesus. Because you know, with Jesus, you don't have it, have to have it all together. You don't need to know it all. You don't know, you don't need to know what tomorrow holds. Take that stress off you. You can you can embrace where you really are and say, God, this is where I am. Confess that so that we can begin to confess the goodness of God over our lives. See, Paul says in Philippians 1. Uh, uh, Philippians 4, 11 to 13. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned what in whatever situation, even when you have to put three kids in, in, in school and homeschool them, right? I don't know. It says, I have learned in any situation how to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. In verse 13, many of us have seen this. I can do all things through Him who is Christ who strengthens me. See, I have plenty, I'm hungry, I have abundance, I have nothing, but it's okay, I'm content in whatever circumstance. This is not about having and not having. It's about contentment. And and I want to ask you, are you content today? Are you content today? Many of us here, uh, we are not content to be truthful. We feel that if I can just have a little more, if if I can get this promotion or have this body or have this house or if I can have a husband or a wife, whatever uh, whatever that thing is, we say, then I'll be content. But that's a lie because contentment has nothing to do 
with our circumstance. Paul said, I've learned the secret. The secret of contentment is in Jesus Christ, in Him alone. I can do all things through Christ, which means Jesus is all that I need. And the sooner our soul comes to that place, you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. With Him, I can do anything. I can get through anything. When I am weak, then I am strong. So number one, confession is strength. Number two, confession kills the power of hidden sin. I'm going to go through these fast. When you try to face sin alone, you have to isolate or hide or you have to fake it until you can't make it. See, that's when we confess. Number number three, confession brings joy back to salvation, right? It brings you joy saying, man, God is with me. It brings us back to trusting Jesus. We're remembering the cause and how much God loves us. Confession brings us back to that. Number four, confession heals. Confession to God takes care of our past. First John 1 John 1.9 says, I read it before. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And, and purify us from all unrighteousness. That He continue to work and purify us. Give it over to God. And keep on bringing it to Him in humility. Allowing Him to transform you and me like Paul did. He kept on confessing honestly. And yet confession to one another makes sure it doesn't happen again. Right? James 5, 16 says, Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. It brings accountability that leads to freedom, that leads to healing. And spiritual momentum takes place as you verbalize it, as you say it to someone else. So that you and I may be healed. I love that. True faith is communal. We must choose to set aside our pride and talk openly about our weaknesses and about our sin. And initially, that's uncomfortable. True, true. But the sooner we confess to one another, the sooner this grace-fueled relationships starts to grow. And honest confession melts away the illusion that certain people are better Christians or good people. We are all on level ground before the cross. We all are in need of God's radical grace every moment of every day. As we close today, is sin separating you from God? Is sin separating you from people? And is sin separating you from yourself where you feel like you're losing yourself, you're losing your soul? Can we be bold enough to deal with that today? If you are online, can you be bold enough, even if you need to pause this, to pause this and write this down or pause this and say, you know what? Sin is separating me. These things in my life is separating me from God. My attitude is separating me from God. My pride in depending on myself is separating me from God. Just DIY, do it yourself, put it together myself is separating me from God. Deal with that today. Allow God through confession to do work in you and then unite you and me together as his church. Confess it. Verbalize it. And if you don't know how to confess, here's a confession prayer. And you can just close your eyes and I want to read this over us as we close. 
Eternal God, in whom we live and move and have our being, your holiness is hidden from us by our sins, and we forgot your mercies, and it because of the blindness of our hearts. Cleanse us from all of our offenses and deliver us from proud thoughts and vain desires. With lowliness and meekness, may we draw near to you, confessing our faults, confiding in your grace, and finding you our refuge and strength through Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. And amen. God bless you guys.